This episode of Author Stories is brought to you by the Writing Mastery Academy. Founded by Jessica Brody, author of the best-selling plotting guide, Save the Cat Writes a Novel. The Writing Mastery Academy features online, on-demand writing courses, including the official Save the Cat Writes a Novel companion course, novel fast drafting, crafting dynamic characters, and productivity hacks for writers to name just a few, plus monthly live webinars on various writing topics. Go to jessicabrody.com slash hank to learn more and get your first month of unlimited access to all the content for just $6. That's right, just $6. jessicabrody.com slash hank. You're listening to the Author Stories Podcast. Bringing you the story behind the stories and the storytellers. Margaret White. Terry Brooks. Sheena Kamal. Matthew Quick. J.T. Ellison. Walt D. Williams. Brad Ford. Corey Doctorow. Brandon Sanders. Robin Mom. Ernest Klein. Jim Butcher. Sherwin Harris. Visit HankGarner.com for archives of all the shows. Today's guest is... Well, thanks for joining me again for the Author Stories Podcast, where I bring you the story behind the stories and the storytellers. Today, I'm really excited to have Leslie Cohen on the show with me. She has an amazing new book. It's called My Ride or Die, and what a great feel-good story uh, that you need, you know, going into these uh, these days that are getting a little longer and brighter and and hopefully uh, happier as the world uh, gets closer back to normal. But this book will definitely help you get there. Uh, My Ride or Die is uh, available everywhere now when you're hearing this, and uh, you can go grab a copy of it. Welcome to the show, Leslie. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to have you. Uh, Leslie, we begin each show with the same question, and that question is, what is your first memory of wanting to be a writer or storyteller? Um. So I don't think there was particularly like one moment, but I do remember as a child writing a lot of things down all the time. So (laughs) I had like one of those journals that was like small and pink and had like a lock and a key attached to it, which I now think is really funny because like who was breaking into that thing? Nobody. (laughs) I had a younger sister and I'm pretty sure she couldn't have, she also could not have cared less what was inside of this journal um but yeah so I remember having a bunch of those like a stack of those journals very high security items and just writing everything down that ever happened to me and eventually getting tired of handwriting everything and turning to like my big box of a computer and just starting like a word document on there and just it was just hundreds of pages long and it was like everything that was happening at school and what boys I had a crush on and like what my friends were up to and what was for snack that day. You know, it was just an endless stream of um, documentation. And I was thinking about it the other day, like whatever happened to that thing, but I'm very glad that I have no idea what happened to that thing. <laughs> if I read it now, it might be slightly interesting, but probably mostly mortifying and right. bad, a bad trip backwards. So you were blogging before blogging was cool. I was, I was, I had no readers or no subscribers, but (laughs) I was keeping track of, you know, all of the events. So I think that was like one big memory. And I also remember, do you remember the chicken soup for the teenage soul book? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 
So they were these really emotional stories about teenagers and my mom bought them for me at some point and I really liked them and thought they were like really deep and dark and awesome. And I think there was one at some point she got me that was called um, Chicken Soup for the Teenage Soul Journal, where it was like Mad Libs almost, like you filled it in instead of reading about other people. And I was like writing off the page. Oh, like, that is so funny. Not a single square of blank space because I was like, this is my time. <laughs> <laughs> Do, do you think you in, inherited that uh, from from anyone? Was there was there anyone else in your life who who was a writer or uh, you know a, a journal keeper? Did did that come from anywhere or just it was, it was just who Leslie is? Um, well, my mom was definitely she was more in the nonfiction. She went to college for journalism um, and she ended up becoming a lawyer, but she is a really good writer. And whenever I would have anything to write for school, she took it really seriously. And like, if I had a, to write a paragraph for driver's ed about why I wanted to drive, it was like, started off with like, it was a dark and stormy night. You know, it was a very artistic piece. <laughs> <laughs> um, like anything that had to be written, whether it's papers, term papers, anything for school, she took it seriously. She marked it up. She used a like a almost like a blood red pen colored pen I remember and you would just I would walk into the room while she was editing and I could see from across the room how bad it was depending on how much blood was on the page <laughs> um, so like when I first started writing essays it was just a disaster there were arrows there were numbers everything was pointed everywhere and then like several drafts later it looked a little cleaner and nicer and I would just like breathe a sigh of relief so I think, um, and she was always giving me books, and so that I think that was a big influence on it. So, were were you a bookish kid? Were you that kid that that walked around with your nose in a book all the time? For sure. Other than your journals. Yeah, no, for sure. I was always reading. She was always giving me books, and then I would take them to school. If I had like, I remember I had um, a bunch of friends leave. I had elementary school to middle school was a little bit of a difficult time for me because I had a bunch of friends leave in like sixth grade. And so in seventh grade and eighth grade, I didn't have too many people left over at the school who I was friendly with. And so I remember I would bring a book and I would sit by my locker during recess and read by myself with now it seems so sad, but you know, um, I feel like everybody has those stories where you had like that little moment in life where you really needed books more so than other times so leslie um you when when you finish school you you go to college and uh if i'm not mistaken you went to columbia is that right yeah and after columbia uh you wound up working uh for a newspaper in colorado yeah. and and then working in publishing it, it sounds to me looking back uh that you're you you are on a, a specific trajectory. Do, do, is that safe to say that that you always knew that you were going to work in publishing of some fashion? Well, that's just a little edited bio you have. Of course, <laughs> of course. But yeah, I was in so I was in the creative writing program at Columbia, and I was always writing and very interested in writing, but I didn't really see how to make it into a career at all. I knew nothing about publishing. I knew nothing about really become really like how do you make yourself a writer I just knew I liked to write and I remember I had one professor who I spoke to and I was talking to her about all these different careers and what do I do and she said why aren't you considering being a writer and it was just such a far-fetched thing to me and 
just this abstract concept I could never actually do. And I said, oh, really? And she's like, well, I think you could do it. And I said, why? And she said, voice. She said, you have a good voice. And that was a really big moment for me where I thought, oh, okay, maybe I do have something. Um, but then I got confused and frustrated <laughs> and moved to Colorado to work for a newspaper, writing a music column, then moved back to New York, um, tried to get a job in music journalism in New York, which is a very difficult thing to do, as it turns out. And I didn't really know anyone at newspapers and magazines. And so I got frustrated, applied to law school, went to law school, still wanted to be a lawyer, uh, still wanted to be a novelist while I was in law school, was like writing on the side, and then graduated and was like, I hate everything about this legal field. <laughs> and I do not want to be a lawyer with novels under my desk. So pretty much as soon as I graduated, I started applying for jobs in publishing. And then once I was working in publishing, I was writing while I was at work, which you're not supposed to do, but <laughs> um, it worked out. So, <laughs> but yeah, so it was a little bit of a there were definitely some detours. I feel like law school was a very expensive, very stressful detour, but it had to be done. Well, you know, the the circuitous route is is sometimes the most interesting route, that's for sure. Yeah, and I think it gives you a sense of perspective, right? I mean, when I yeah. was in publishing, I could have kissed the ground every day because I was so happy I wasn't working in a law firm, which I, <laughs> I don't think I would have felt if I had gone straight to um, straight into publishing, I would have wondered, well, what else is there out there? So sure. I, mean, I think, I think you have to try a few things to see where you land. Um, so yeah, I, I think, I think just to get a perspective and to feel like, uh, the contrast of one thing versus another. So even, even though you didn't, um, uh, practice law or, or, or work in a law firm, after that, do you, looking back now, having the benefit of hindsight, can you see that that uh, that time uh, studying law and, and going to law school has benefited you in in any tangible way? Other than, uh, like you said, you know, having that experience now makes you really appreciate where you are now. Um, you know, other than that, did yeah. that experience, you know, give you any any tools or any any uh, you know certain thing that that you you say, you know, I'm, I'm happy I had that experience. For sure. I mean, for one thing, I got my first, I got my first internship in publishing just by chance. But when I got my first real job in publishing, it was reviewing contracts. And I wouldn't have gotten that job if I didn't have the law degree. And while I was reviewing contracts at Writer's House, which is a literary agency in Chelsea in New York, um, I ended up like working with one of the agents there on my writing and the first novel that I wrote was set in a law firm and I used tons of knowledge from I was a summer associate for a couple summers at a firm one of like to be sure one of the worst summer associates in history but while I was doing that I learned a lot and I used it um in the first novel I wrote which didn't end up getting published but the first, the practice that I got writing the first one helped me to write the second one and so on. So, yeah, I mean, it's hard to look back and say, what would have happened if, and I kind of like look at all those giant law books and I'm like, oh my God, that was a lot of work. But at the same time, you never know what led to what. And um, I'm grateful for having had that experience in a lot of ways, because I'm not sure I would have gotten that 
job at Writer's House, and that job really presented a lot of opportunities for me. For sure. Um, your first book that you did publish, um, This Love Story Will Self-Destruct, yes. um, that, that was not your first novel that you had written, uh, obviously? Uh, no, it was like the third, or I okay. don't know, like I did, so the first one I wrote while I was in law school, and then the second one I wrote while I was working in publishing, and then I revised that for like a year, and that ended up almost being a whole different novel. And so by the time I got to this love story will self-destruct, by the time I was writing that, I had really written like three full novels that didn't go anywhere. Um, and then when I wrote this love story, I was at the point where I was like, okay, I don't want to write about a law firm. I don't want to write about, you know, what this X, Y, or Z thing. I just want to write what I want to write. And I just like was very stripped bare of like all of my concerns for what might sell and what was marketable. And um, I just wanted to write what I wanted to write and just went full steam ahead with it. So maybe that's why it ended up being successful or maybe I just needed to needed the practice. You know, it's like yeah. the first time you cook a dish. Is it, is it as good as the fourth time? No, you know, so. Right, right. Authors, I have a fantastic new service to tell you about. It's called PubSite. PubSite is a service to help you build your very own website, your home on the web, where you can promote your work and give your fans a place to connect with you. PubSite is a website platform that allows every author, regardless of budget, to have a great-looking professional website developed by the book marketing professionals at FSB Associates. PubSite is the new easy-to-use DIY website builder developed specifically for books and authors. Whether you're an author of one book or 20 or a small publisher, PubSite allows you to build, design, and most importantly, update your website pain-free. No need to be dependent on a designer or webmaster to make a small but costly change to your website. Save the money and do it yourself. PubSite is the best platform for authors because it's a book-centric platform. PubSite was built just for authors and small publishers. Every design, feature, and layout is book-centric. They have customized designs for you to use. It's easy to build. No coding or HTML is necessary to create a stunning, professional-looking website with all the features you want. Get a custom domain name, yourname.com. It's simple to update. You can add all of your books, add a blog and a book tour, sell from any retailer, manage your email list and social media, and even do e-commerce. Build your website with a 14-day free trial, then pay just $19.99 per month, which includes hosting. And we offer packages starting at $499 to set up the website for you. Hub-site.com, the place to help authors find their home on the web. Well, you know, and and when you're when you've just written that novel and you're uh, you know revising it and and trying to get it out to people and um, you know get eyeballs on it, you're you're super close to that book. It, it's kind of the most important thing in the world. Um, you know, now having the benefit of of, of some space and time between. Yeah, those early books that you wrote, um, do you now, uh, are you able to look at them and, and say, uh, okay, now I, I, I see what was wrong there. Yeah. Um, maybe one day I could, I could revise that and, and, and bring it back out. Or are you just happy to leave those in the past? 
Well, certain aspects, sure, happy to leave in the past, but there are definitely things that I've already, there are things from those early versions that appear in this love story. There are things from the early versions that appear in My Ride or Die. There's definitely like aspects of those books that have remained. Should those books in their entirety have been published? Probably not, but, um, you know, they were really great practice, really necessary practice. And I'm like, kind of an on-the-job learner, so I feel like it was just good for me. Like, I'm not a big outliner. I'm not a big, like, I just sit and write. And so I feel like I needed to sit and write um, to learn. Um, and have and the people who helped me along the way, like my agent at that time or various editors who thought it showed promise but said, fix this, fix that, all those little inputs here and there over time were what, like – increased my skill um yeah yeah. definitely bits and pieces that I take with me along with the advice along with the edits you know everything comes with but some things get left behind too at at what point in um this love story will self-destruct's journey did you know that this was going this one was going to be different that the the the, you know the story of this book was was going to be different like that it would get that it was yeah, yeah that this one was going to be published and it was going to have another life and I was just convinced because I needed to be convinced in order to have the stamina to write it like I needed to believe that it was going to get published and I remember writing a letter an email to my agent at the time in all caps <laughs> saying this one <laughs> is going to get through I dare them to reject it and I was just very determined and made up my mind before I started writing and then um I was lucky enough that it happened, but I think you have to, or at least I have to trick myself a little bit into feeling like whatever I'm writing is someday going to have an audience because otherwise I just can't get out of bed in the morning. (laughs) (laughs) Well, well that book, you know, went on to, to be published and find an audience and, and uh, you know, a lot of people really love that book. And, and now you're, you're following that up with, with your second published novel, my ride or die. Um, Leslie, what what is usually the first thing that comes to you when you start thinking about a new book project? Is it is it a character? Is it a setting? Um, you know, it, I, I love the beginnings of novels. It's like it, it, it's a form of magic almost that one moment nothing about it exists. And then the next moment, you know, there's characters that start populating your mind or a setting. And and, right. and then it it you know, becomes this living, growing thing. Um, What's that first moment of inspiration like for you? Well, I think with this one, I had this idea of a bachelorette party gone awry. I had this idea of uh, a girl climbing out the window of her own bachelorette party. And um, I had this also notion of like two friends who had been together since college, freshman year roommates, I feel like freshman year is a very vulnerable time and you're thrown together with this other stranger. And I, so I thought the whole concept of having this friendship as the center of a romantic comedy, as opposed to a romantic comedy where the friendships are ancillary, I thought it would be interesting to flip the two. So the focus would be the friendship and then you'd move outward from there. Sometimes taking a a common trope and and just flipping it and uh you know reversing the roles or you know bringing a friendship to to center stage as as opposed to you know ancillary relationships like you said um sometimes they can just open up 
all the possibilities. Um, when you did that, did did you just start, you know, getting flooded with inspiration and, you know, oh, I can do this or that or how did that start to grow? Yeah, I mean, it definitely the the idea started from there. And then, yeah, I just thought about them getting older and forming this alliance and then everything fell into place. And of course, I ch- went back and changed things. And um, the I think I spent two months just working on the first chapter alone, <laughs> um, which is crazy because I normally just like am very, okay, moving on, moving on. But it, I just, everything had to stem from this failed bachelorette party. And I just, it had to hit all of the right notes. And I wanted, I don't like to open a book on a down note. I wanted it to feel fun and exciting and to launch people into the story. And so getting that launch pad just right was very important to me and took a lot of time. Um, But once that was in place, then a lot of, a lot of things flowed from there, like a lot of the fun of the story. And my focus really the whole time, like it sounds cliche, but my focus the whole time was having fun because maybe it's like the pandemic influence. Maybe it's like, I don't know, just being home and like, I I just like, I love a good distraction. (laughs) Um, So I just thought to myself, like, I love romantic comedies, but I hate cliche ones, not because they're, stupid or anything just because I hate I'm bored if I know what's going to happen and if I've heard it a hundred times before and so I just you know I love like a great romantic comedy and like a classic one that doesn't just oh it's just for this time period or this age group so I I try to like I always try to stay true to the form in in the classic sense because there's a reason why it is the way it is. But then I do my own little twists on everything. And I just like to think, okay, what would be the expected thing here? And let's push it (laughs) and like do something different or do something crazy or ridiculous or funny, like, but in small ways, not necessarily in like everyone's underwater and the whole thing takes place in Morocco, you know, like it's just um, (laughs) in like more subtle ways, but still with keeping the structure where like there's an exciting beginning and there's an obstacle and there's a happy ending maybe, you know? So um, like, I like to keep the feel good aspects of the romantic comedy while making it a unique story where you don't know what's going to happen. Sure. Um, Amanda and Sophie are are two great protagonists. Um, uh, you you talked about that that first month of really getting that that first chapter right and and you know revising and revising and, and thinking of of different ways to uh, you know to shape the the beginning of the story. Um, how much of that time went into Amanda and Sophie, and and what was your process for really building them out as characters? Well. My approach to them was I wanted them to be different, but not, I didn't want it to turn into the odd couple where it was like, one was the straight guy and one was the mess. One was the conservative one. One was the wild one. I do think that there, that that dynamic does exist in real life. And I have, I certainly have it with my own friends where one of us is more this and one of us is more that. And like, I think the contrast makes for a good, um, yin yang a good banter you know all those things so my focus was to have them have that but to also each have moments of being more conservative more wild more free you know just um not have them fall into categories 
So the idea of the book is that uh, we've got these two young women who are, you know, just kind of sick of of the expectations that are that are put on them and and how life is supposed to go, and they decide that instead of pursuing, um, you know, what what we think of as as the trajectory for everyone's uh, life through their twenties and thirties, that they're going to commit themselves to each other and to their friendship as opposed to um, their, their love life, uh, if you will. Um, did, uh, when you came up with that premise, um, d- did you, uh, did you have any idea how the book was going to end and what their path was going to be, uh, as you began, uh, the working on it? No, um, actually I think I had some sense of what a cool ending might be, but as I worked on it, I realized that, that ending actually doesn't make sense, (laughs) like, which often happens, like oftentimes I'll have an idea of where I want to go and then I'll realize, oh, you know, that's not exactly right. But I think um, I had, I had the setting and the feel, like the mood of the last scene before I knew any of the details. So it was just a matter of getting to that point. Um, But uh, it's hard to decide all the details ahead of time um because it just i don't know the characters i feel like take you on a certain journey and they change over time and um but i did have a general general idea that of what would be like a cool ending scene that that kind of ended up being the ending but um not exactly the way i envisioned it Do, do you consider yourself a, a pantser or a plotter? Like how much of the I, – I know what you said about the, you know, really working on the, the beginning and, and making sure you had that opening right. Um, but how much of a plan did you have for the rest of the book? I had a loose outline of like what I thought might happen in every chapter. Very, very vague, but – I end up I end up changing like I just really have to like dig in and be in the text um, and see where it goes because I come up with ideas like when I'm sitting in front of an outline I don't really get inspired but when I'm writing and I'm like the, giving the characters dialogue and description that's when I come up with stuff I I'm very like bad at coming up with ideas when I'm in front of like a sterile outline so I usually just dive in and see what happens, but it's good. I've learned over time that it's good to have some, you know, general flags that you want to hit. So yeah, I had this idea that they would go to this destination and then maybe they do that. And then that changes over time. Um, Working in in publishing, uh, Leslie, did that, did that do anything to, um, uh, to what you thought of the publishing industry as, as someone who who loved books and and loved storytelling the way that you did 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 working in the industry was it was it sort of like a uh, you know a, a Dorothy and Oz you know pulling the the, the curtain back and, and seeing you know the, the machinery of it did, did that do anything for uh, you know what you thought of publishing and what you thought of yourself as a writer? I think so. Yeah, I think it was very it was very interesting. I mean, I spent the first year of my internship at a literary agency reading slush, um, which are just manuscripts sent in. And um, 
it was interesting to me um, to read those, to see agents' responses to things, to see what did get through, what didn't, why. You know, I was very much behind the scenes at an agency while trying myself to find an agent, which is a bit awkward and can be frustrating. And like, oftentimes I found myself in a situation where I was working with an agent in my own office, um, which has its ups and downs. Like it's nice because you can keep track of them (laughs) and like sort of see what they're up to, but it's also anxiety producing because Sometimes you want to just write and step away and you don't want to know, oh, they're on the phone doing a deal for somebody else. Are they reading mine? And, you know, you're a little too close. Um, But I did that for so long that I kind of got used to it. But it is nice to have a little bit of distance from one's agent per se. But um, no, I mean, I think I learned a lot from that. I think it also caused me a bit of anxiety just because you're around books, you're seeing, you know, you're not in your own little vacuum of like, I'm working on this and that's all there is. You know, you see other people selling books, which you think, oh, this book is not as good as mine, but they sold theirs. And why haven't I sold mine? Whereas if you're at home with your laptop, you know, you don't have exposure to those things. But at the same time, you learn from that as well. So it was a mixed bag. I still feel like, even though I've worked at two different agencies, I still feel like I have no idea what goes on at publishing houses, even though I've had two <laughs> publishers. I still feel like that's a total mystery to me. Um, and I would love to be a fly on the wall for like their meetings. So um, I don't know. But in terms of the agent part of it, yeah, I do feel like I do feel like I learned a lot and it maybe informed some of my decisions, but I don't know. At the end of the day, like it's really all about your work and the value of your work and none of the rest really matters. It's all just kind of noise. Well, my ride or die uh, is out available everywhere. Now, when you're hearing this episode, we're going to put links in the show notes where you can grab it in Kindle edition or paperback or audio book. Um, Leslie, what do you think about your, your books being uh, interpreted as audio books? <laughs> um, well, it's a little weird <laughs> just because I don't listen to audiobooks myself and um, I've never even listened to the audiobook um, for this love story because it just sounds so strange to me because I hear it in my own voice. But, you know, for people who love audiobooks, I'm glad there's an option for them. But um, I'm just more of a real physical book person myself. So, gotcha. Well, for. However you like uh, books, you can grab it today when you're hearing this. uh, It's available everywhere. Um, Leslie, if people are just discovering you and want to dig into all the great stuff that you do, is is there a place where they can connect with you online? Yeah, so I'm on Twitter um, and I'm on Instagram. My handle is sort of funny story. S-O-R-T-A. F-U-N-N-Y story. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't know how much of that I have to spell, but um, anyway, yeah, I'm on Twitter and Instagram and I love to hear from people, how they like the book, etc. So that's always like a really fun, rewarding part of the job. Great. We'll link those up uh, as well to make it easy for people to connect with you. Uh, Leslie, this has been so much fun chatting. Thank you so much for taking time to come on the show. Thank you so much for having me. Authors, if you're looking for a partner to help ensure that your book is the best it can possibly be, look no farther than Pico's House. Crystal and her staff make a conscious effort to be critical yet courteous. 
They also strive to make the business side of things run smoothly so that you can rest easy knowing that your manuscript is in capable hands. Whether you need beta reading, developmental editing, a manuscript critique, line editing, copy editing, or proofreading, Pico's House is the one-stop shop for you. Check them out today at picoshouse.com. Are you looking for software that helps you bring your novel to life? Novelize is a web-based writing app which allows you to access your work on any device with a browser and an internet connection. Write from your desktop, laptop, tablet, or smartphone. Just get the novel written. Say goodbye to sticky notes. With our notebook on the side, you can keep track of all the important information you need to write your novel. We keep distractions to a minimum, help you track your progress, and encourage you to write more novels. You can even use the same notebook for your novels in a series. Outline, write, or organize your novel by switching between modes. You can write your outline notes while you're writing, and you can move scenes and chapters around anytime in the organized mode. Choose between the dark and light theme to help prevent eye strain so that you can stay immersed in your book. Novelize, the app for writers by writers.